Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. And welcome to another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, new every Thursday, Apple Podcast, and of course, Podcast One. Thank you guys for listening wherever and whenever and however you do it. It is greatly appreciated. And of course, all the interviews you hear on the Eddie Trunk Podcast originate from my daily rock talk show called Trunk Nation, heard on Sirius XM 106 volume live Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, replaying every night, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern and on demand, anytime you want on the SiriusXM app, here on the podcast, you're only getting a tiny taste of what I do on a daily basis on the radio show. So if you're in the U.S. or Canada and you're not already listening, please consider coming on and joining us for Trunk Nation on SiriusXM Volume. So a uh, lot of stuff going on as usual. I'm just coming off of another L.A. trip. As a matter of fact, at the time that you'll be hearing this podcast, if you're listening on post day, I'll be leaving L.A. and heading over to Houston, spending a couple days there this weekend, hosting a show with Tom Kiefer at the IDL. Nope. <laughs> I'm so used to saying IDL Ballroom because uh, I do so much there that I get confused sometimes. I'm actually this is actually in Houston and it is at a place called Warehouse Live. Great venue. Been there before. And Tom Kiefer will be playing there this Saturday, August 17th, with his great band. Looking forward to hosting that. Also on the bill, Johnny Solinger, who was the lead singer that replaced Sebastian Bach in Skid Row, who's in the Houston area. It's always good to see Johnny. And also on the bill, a new band called Electric Radio Kings features former L.A. Guns guitarist Tracy uh, Stacy Blades, that can get confusing too. <laughs> Stacy Blades, former LA Guns guitarist and also an old friend. So going to be a fun night this coming Saturday in Houston. I'll see you there if you are attending and greatly look forward to that. And uh, the LA stuff, always good to do. Last Monday we had none other than Billy Gibbons of ZZ Top sitting in on the LA Invasion from the Rainbow. There's a new ZZ Top documentary covering their 50 years about to come out. So we discussed that and a whole lot more. Got to tell you guys, the uh, amount of music 
biopics and documentaries you are going to see coming out now, as I predicted, is going to be crazy. Most of it driven, all of it driven by the success of Bohemian Rhapsody, the success, although to a lesser degree, but still successful Elton John Rocketman, and of course, The Dirt, which we don't know how successful that was or wasn't because it was on Netflix and they don't release that information. But either way, you're going to see, and I know this for a fact, talking to friends of mine in Hollywood, a slew of biopics coming out. I'm sure we'll reach the breaking point. We'll get a bunch of bad ones along the way as well, but they're going to make a run at it with biopic mania. And uh, there's a lot coming down the pike. I'll tell you about them as we go when I can. So anyway, the ZZ Top documentary, which again, biopics documentaries, two very different things, but that doc will be coming out soon called Little Old Band from Texas. And it was cool that Billy Gibbons on the Trunk Nation LA Invasion this past Monday. Hey, before we get into our uh, interview here, let me tell you about Pluto TV. It's the leading free streaming television service. You can watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand, all completely free. Pluto TV never asks for a credit card. You don't even need to sign up to watch for free. Pluto TV is the easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies for free. So what are you waiting for? You never pay for TV again. How great does that sound? By downloading Pluto TV. You can download Pluto TV for free on all of your favorite devices today, including your phone, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Smart TVs, PlayStation, and anywhere else you stream. Lunch in the park, check. Hand sanitizer, check. Cancer screening, done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. I want to also do a quick thank you here to everybody who sent me birthday wishes last Thursday, which was my birthday. I greatly appreciate that. It is acknowledged and noted and appreciated very, very much. So thank you for that. So the interview I have for you on this week's podcast is something I think you're going to really enjoy. I did this a couple weeks ago in L.A. on the at the uh, Sirius XM Studios. And it's with Jack Russell, who, of course, is the original lead singer from the band Great White, a band that found itself uh, in the middle of uh, a dispute that ended with the band getting to use the name Great White, the band that doesn't feature Jack Russell, and Jack Russell putting together a band that he needs to bill and does bill as Jack Russell's Great White. So that's the division in what's become an all-too-common issue with warring factions of the same band and two versions of the same band. So Jack Russell, of course, is the guy who sang all the classic songs on all the classic records. There is no secret that Jack Russell has had a fair amount of issues in his life with substances and drugs and health and all sorts of stuff. Remarkably, his voice has never left him through all that. He still sings remarkably well. And I hosted a bunch of shows last year 
on a tour called the Sirius XM Hair Nation Tour that also featured Enough's Enough and Bullet Boys that Jack Russell's Great White headlined. And as you'll hear when I talk to Jack, it was amazing because he seemed to be in really bad condition physically, but then the, the band would start playing and he'd go on stage and he'd whirl around and sing and perform great. So the guy is needlessly, needless to say, has been through a lot. He carries a lot of guilt and burden with him over the horrific, tragic fire that happened in Rhode Island with his band at the time. And if you listen to this interview, during it, we take a phone call from someone. And I didn't even see this coming, but when you hear this interview and you hear me identify a caller as being from Rhode Island, you don't have the visual, uh, the benefit of the visual, but I did. And Jack Russell was visibly sort of shaken when I said that. And I didn't even put that together until I said it and saw the look on his face. Because, of course, Rhode Island is where that tragic, tragic accident took place that claimed so many lives with that station fire. And what this caller says to Jack Russell absolutely moves him to the point of tears, and you will hear that in the interview. It's a very powerful, very heavy moment that none of us saw coming. But we talk about the history of Great White. We talk about sharks. We talk about Jack Russell living on a boat. It's an interesting interview I think you guys will really enjoy, and I'm happy to bring it to you on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. Before we get to it, though, one other thing. I just want to run down my upcoming appearances. They're all listed on the homepage of eddytrunk.com. Please come out and see me if you are in these areas. Uh, starting with this coming Saturday, August 7th, as I mentioned, Warehouse Live hosting Tom Kiefer in Houston. Doing a speaking show, New Bedford, Mass., the Vault Music Hall on September 6th. I'll be in Tulsa September 13th, IDL Ballroom, hosting L.A. Guns. Shawnee, Oklahoma, Fire Lake Arena, September 20th, hosting Deep Purple, Pat Travers, and Joyous Wolf. And then that leads into Sammy Hagar's High Tide Beach Party, September 28th and 29th, hosting that Huntington Beach, California. Exit 111 Festival, hosting that October 11, 12, 13 in Manchester, Tennessee. And that leads into the Megadeth Cruise. The Mega Cruise I'll be getting on on October 14th, sailing out of Los Angeles. Cabins still remain. Lamb of God just added to the bill there. October 19th, IDL Ballroom once again in Tulsa for Last in Line, featuring Vivian Campbell. And the Breathless Spawn Resort, Punta Cana, Dominican Republic, November 2nd. That will be for 80s in the Sand, featuring Sammy Hagar and more. November 7th, Studio City, California, pins Bowling Alley for the latest Dio Cancer Fund fundraiser. Houston, Carbach Brewing Company, November 10th for Foamhenge, featuring Ace Freely, Accept, and more. My gosh, this is crazy schedule through November here. November 23rd, IDL Ballroom again in Tulsa, Vixen and the Iron Maidens. All of it on the homepage of eddytrunk.com. Please come out and see me if I am headed your way or in any of those areas. And please be sure to follow on Twitter at Eddie Trunk. Up to the second news info and updates there. Instagram at Eddie Trunk. Fan page on Facebook, Eddie Trunk. And like I said, eddietrunk.com. Music news and all my appearances and a whole lot more. Check it out. All right, let's get a break. We'll come back and we'll talk to Jack Russell of Jack Russell's Great White on this week's Eddie Trunk podcast. 
Hey, Jordan here. I know a lot of you create your own podcasts, and a lot of you already have one like me. I obviously love what I do. It's taken a lot of hard work to get to this point of success. You shouldn't have to pay fees for platform hosting, distribution, analytics, or fees to create a podcast. You need to be able to focus on producing the best show possible. Now, Podcast One, that's a network I'm on, they have Launchpad Digital Media, or Launchpad DM for short. So it's free, includes unlimited hosting, full control of distribution. You have access to a full dashboard with analytics. Again, totally free. You own everything, by the way. You own your content, you own your subscribers, no tricky stuff there. And you get your own show page on launchpaddm.com for people to listen to and subscribe to your show. It's the only hosting platform brought to you by the leading network, Podcast One. Podcast One will promote the site, drive people to discover your podcast. And if your show grows, you could even be invited to join Podcast One's all-star roster, which includes people like Adam Carolla, Caitlin Bristow, Shaq, Lady Gang, and of course, me, Jordan Harbinger, I'm there too. You also get access to their production and sales support. So with all this completely free, don't use other hosting platforms. Why would you need to? Learn more or sign up now at launchpaddm.com. And don't forget to check out the Jordan Harbinger Show. All right, we're back, and it's time for our interview. And this week, it's with original great white singer Jack Russell of Jack Russell's Great White. That is the legal current name of his band. A lot of stuff to get into with Jack, and let's get into it now on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. So you were telling me you uh, you live uh, you how long have you lived on a boat? You live on a boat, right? Yeah, we uh, we live on a fifty four foot uh, sport fisher. Um, uh, this has been this boat's been like nine years, eight or nine years. This is uh, my fifth boat and the third one I've lived on. Um, so you, so wow wow. So you spent a lot of time actually living on the boat. Yeah yeah, I love the water. You know, I I've always been a uh, um, an ocean guy, you know, I'm like the quint of rock and roll, yeah. you know, I fish for <laughs> sharks and have the whole nine yards, uh, you know, fortunately I have a wife who, uh, you know, understands that. And, uh, well, your wife is sitting right here and she was saying, it sounds like she's starting to maybe long for being on, on, on solid ground a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you know, which is, which is fair, you know, which yeah. is fair. I mean, you know, you don't have all the amenities, you know, like no bathtub and things like that, that, you know, a woman, you know, wants and, and should have, you know, so. We're looking into getting a place on land as well, you know. So um, right now um, I'm working on a, a, a TV show, um, so we need to keep the boat uh, for now. Eventually I want to get a smaller one and um, something I can trailer in and out like I used to have and I just put it in for the season, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to uh, hear about this TV show that you're working on. We yeah. should uh, hear. I want to definitely hear a little bit about that. And we obviously want to talk about music, and we obviously have some people that are want to call in and ask you some questions about Great White. And one of the things I love doing when I come here to Southern California and do the shows, especially with artists who have so much history here and grew up here on this scene and all that, is get some of that history, hear about the old days, hear, hear the stories. Yesterday, I had Tracy Guns in here. Hmm. telling stories about i don't even think people realize that he's the guns and guns and roses right yeah and that how that all happened and how he you know izzy stradlin used to live in his mother's house and right it's just crazy that history and those stories are just uh, so so invaluable to rock fans you just love hearing that stuff so we want to get into a little bit about that and of course you got you know, I know you got uh, a lot of shows. You're always out there playing. Yeah. And yeah. I saw you guys just do the Hair Nation tour, which I was out on a, a bunch of shows. That was fun. Which was you guys fun. headlined, and you had a great time on that. Great sets every night. It was really a lot of fun. 
Jack is showing me photos on his phone, which shows that, much like his wife Heather said, Great White is much more than a band name. (laughs) You (laughs) You, you You said you're a big fan of the water. You live on a boat. But you are showing me photos of great white sharks jump, like jumping up in the air like it was a dolphin or something. Yeah, right. And one that's actually caught, that you actually caught or someone actually caught. First, before we talk about that specifically, where did your interest in sharks and the water come from? Did you grow up on the water? You know, yeah. My father was a big-time fisherman, and he used to take me fishing all the time, like, start out when I was, like, five years old. You grew up where? Here in... In, in Southern California, yeah. Okay. I grew up here. Um, I'm one of the few natives, you know what I mean? Um, right. Not a transplant. Not a transplant, no. Right. And um, so he got me into fishing when I was young, and it's something I just love. And we was that was our bonding time, you know. We would go out to San Diego and go on long range trips, and uh, eventually uh, I would go down there during the summer times, and um, when I was really young, and uh, work on the boats, you know, during the summer. And I ended up getting my captain's license, and uh, you know, so uh, I've always been into the water and fishing. And sharks were just something that I just thought were so amazing, you know. And the more I learned about them. And, you know, how they hadn't changed for millions of years. And uh, there's just so much about them that is really intriguing to me, you know. Uh, And once you see them in the water, especially when you're underwater. um, You've done that? You've gone in the cages? Oh, yeah, yeah. We have a cage. Oh, my God. You're out of your mind. No, no. <laughs> scares the shit out of my me, wa- man. My wife wants to go. We're going to take. We're going to go down to uh, to Guadalupe Island. They have these trips where you go down, and they take you down there with the big giant ones, and they come down twice a year. Oh, uh, so I they couldn't found do deep, it. Deep blue. So you put the, the the scuba equipment on or whatever it is. Yeah. And you get you lo- lowered into the cage. Yeah. And you wait for them to. They just swim around you. Do they? Yeah. Have you ever been in where they? But into the cage where they yeah but these we've we've uh out here i've never had any experience with great whites just big blue sharks and makos and you know makos are to me are more intimidating than great whites because they're just really mean you know and that was that one fish i showed you that was you know 20 feet out of the water that's and that a mako shark yeah that was a thousand pound fish I mean, yeah, and you know when you see that, it's it's really impressive. But have you ever been knocked around in the cage? Like if they Um, ever done like yeah, they they bumped into it, but you know nothing. Not like they're trying to attack you. No, no, they're more inquisitive than anything else. I mean, and not to mention they have that you know the ampules of Lorenzini. Uh, which are little gel-filled uh, sacks in their nose, and it picks up on electronic vibrations. And you put metal in water, you get electrolysis. So it, it sends off a current. So a lot of times they get f- confused from that and a bait fish. So the only way they can investigate is with their, with their mouths. They don't have hands. They can go, well, what is this, you know? And unfortunately, human skin doesn't bode well with uh, sharp teeth, you know? Right, right. So do you if you... um. You've obviously taken time to learn about this. I mean, you've, yeah. you've learned a lot about sharks, clearly. And what would you tell anybody who encounters a shark in the water? What's the move? What you're, what's your, what are you supposed to do to not get attacked? 
um, to not get attacked. <laughs> or you screwed. Don't go in the water. Because <laughs> you don't, know, don't swim around with a piece of mackerel tied to your foot. <laughs> I, I I got a I got a beach house in Jersey. Right. And I go. I've been in the ocean a lot more than I normally am. It's just swimming. You know, just I don't know, ten feet out, twenty right. feet out, or whatever. Just enough to catch some waves. But it's always in the back of my mind. Well, man. I think what is it? Um, the odds of getting hit bit by a shark are one in eleven million. But they'll come up. The the misconception is you got to go further out. They'll come to shallow water, Most right? Most shark attacks are within 10 feet of water, 6 feet from the beach. You know I mean? See, that's not what I wanted to hear, Jack. Actually, no, I'm sorry. It's the opposite. <laughs> it's 6 feet of water, 10 feet from the that's beach. That's still not what yeah, I want to hear. no, no, no. No, but I mean, it, it, it's... Can you see them? Like, if, if, like, let me ask you this, and we'll get to some music stuff in a sure, second. I'm sure. fascinated by this. Would you... Would, can you see... Like, if a shark, like, say you're in the, I don't know, however many, 50 feet out from the beach or 100 feet out from the beach, whatever it is. If a shark is coming in in towards the, will you see it? Will will people see the fin or does it stay underwater? In yeah, other words, will lifeguards right. be able to spot it? It all depends. I mean, generally sharks, if they're going to attack, they attack from below. I mean, they're ambush predators. Still not what I wanted to know? hear. And <laughs> the thing about sharks is... I'm never going in the ocean again at the Jersey you know, Shore. You know what? To be, I'll be honest with you. I do not swim in the ocean anymore. Um, For that reason? Well, exactly. You've I've seen too much. so many sharks, and I figure it would just be such poetic justice. The singer from Great White on the boat, Great White, gets oh, eaten God by Great forbid. White. You know, oh, it was like, uh, that would be the way I would go out, you know? It's oh, like one in screaming, going out screaming, you know? Now, so, last thing on the shark thing. You said you're working on a TV show. Yeah. yeah. And, and that you also said that you go out, what, what would you call it? Hunting, catching sharks, but you tag them. Them. You don't tag them because yeah. it's is it illegal to capture them or well great whites has a moratorium on them they're an endangered species so you can't you know intentionally hook them I mean sometimes you you know incidental catch you may hook on an accident and if you do you got to cut it loose um, you can't harm or harass them um, my partner has a, a permit to catch and tag them so what we do is we catch them get them next to the boat after we tire them out. Drill four holes in the dorsal fin, attach the satellite tag, which every time uh, the dorsal fin breaches the surface of the water, it sends a ping to a satellite, which is then um, sent down to an app on the Internet so scientists can follow the movements, and the public will be able to do that as well. So let's just say we get you come out as a guest, and you want to call the shark a trunk. You know what I mean? And so the public can follow that shark. And that will be named whatever you decide to name it. And they could say, hey, where, where, where's Eddie at today? You know, wow, he went to Hawaii, you know. Or, so it's it'll be interesting. You know? What is the value of knowing where a shark goes beyond knowing just where it is? Where yeah, it right. Well, there's actually anybody. one off Malibu right now. I guess I'll show you the, uh, the, the map later. Um, but is there anything? Is it some sure, scientific sure, research? Yeah, and that whatever? you get to follow the movements and 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 you know see see what, what time of year they're where and kind of helps with the numbers and um, you know the scientists it's it's really invaluable data for them. They use it for a multitude of reasons. You know, trying to figure out where sharks migrate to, where they mate at. There's so much we don't know about you know sharks and what they do. Like we don't really know. Um, there's never been any footage that I know of of a great white's mating. Um, 
we don't know where where they go, how often they may. We believe it's like, well, I think uh, once every two years. You know, it's uh, there's still a lot we don't know. Mm. You know, and any bits of information that we can garner um, helps a scientist. So you know, th- th- this is a really it's a good thing for everybody. It's good for the fish. It's good for the public. It's good for the celebrities. You know, but mostly it's good for the fish. So this is gonna. This is a, the TV show you're developing. You're gonna go out with different celebrities every week and tag these sharks. Right. Well, and... a celebrity will actually be tagging the shark. They'll have their hands on the fish. Oh my gosh. So you know that's good luck be booking a... that one. Buddy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> my God. We've already got some people in line that you'd really be surprised. Like she's gonna do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like so. Well, there's a lot. Of, there's obviously. I mean, what's bigger than Shark Week on TV and all that? I know. So well, now they got one on Nat Geo. They got two weeks on Nat Geo now. Yeah. So I mean, it's uh, you know, this is gonna be kind of like Deadliest Catch with some serious teeth. Yeah. You know, yeah. the tagging thing. It just came to me. Somebody. I remember when we were doing that metal show. Somebody sent me a video or a photo that there was some marine people that had tagged. Uh, the sharks, uh, and they named one of them like that metal show or something. They, na- <laughs> they sent me a picture and they named it. And they're like, so I remember something similar like that. And yeah, my producer Ed sent me a note appropriate. We're talking about this because this is Shark Week right now. Right, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Trust me, me booking Jack Russell doing this, I had no clue. No, no, <laughs> this, this is not. So, yeah, what I did not know not this planned. at all. No. Did, did you? Did the band get named Great White after your love? Because uh, you said you grew up into yeah, this. Yeah, well, was the, it, uh, the because thing of that was. was well, yeah, yes, in a way. Um, I used to call Mark the Great White. You know what I mean? Because he's well, very light complected. Let's say. You know what I mean? Right. And um, me being into sharks, that was a natural place to go. You know, I didn't call him like you know the White Worm or you know what I mean <laughs> whatever. I just call him the Great White. And when my manager came out to see us, who became the the label at, later on. Um, you said, yo, the name Dante Fox just sucks, you know? That's the name you guys were under right, before Great White, right. Dante Fox. Yeah. Playing and, the L.A. circuit? Yeah, yeah. And he goes, okay, so what about changing the name to Great White? And Mark and I are like, what? We'll lose all our following, like 500 people, you know? Right, right. <laughs> so we acquiesced, and, uh, you know, it turned out to be a cool name. It worked out well for us, you know? Was uh, was Dante, uh, now, who was, what, who was in Dante Fox, yourself and Mark? My uh, myself, Mark, uh, a guy named Tony Richards, who ended up playing with Wasp, Wasp for right? a while. Yeah. yeah, actually, his name was Tony Orlando. I changed it to Tony Richards because you know Tony I'm Orlando obvious. and Don. Yeah. yeah, and a guy named Don Costa, um, who we have no idea what happened. Bass player, he went right? To Ozzy Didn't for he? A while. Ch- yeah. Wasn't he the guy that cut himself? Yeah, on with stage with the cheese grater. Yeah, yeah. That's guy's let that story's legend, but yet yeah. nobody knows what happened to that guy. No, the last time I heard, somebody said they saw him on a park bench. Um, but he, I mean, he. It all started one day because he didn't move around much. And Mark goes, "Hey, can you move around a little bit more?" The next show, he had like these chains around himself and. Pretty soon he had like a climbing axe that he would chop Holy into shit. his base. Oh, know, so he was doing crazy grater. shit with oh, you guys yeah. too? Oh, yeah. That's where it started. I mean, he used so, to grate his hands and throw blood on the audience. And, you know, this is before we knew about, you know, all the whole AIDS thing and, and whatnot. And people wow. were like, yeah, all the blood and the carnage. We're going, this guy's out of his mind, man. He's got one string on his base because he's been chopping the other ones with the ice axe. He's let's play one more. We're going, 
How are you going to play one more? You got one string. You know? he, he was in Ozzy for a heartbeat, like very short time. Well, yeah, Ozzy doesn't like to be upstage. Well, yeah, but you I know? mean, you would imagine somebody working a cheese crater while they're playing bass, chopping yeah, their hands up. Yeah, you'd think you'd like melt out on that. You I think know? it's a pretty short lifespan you have as playing. If you use your fingers, you're using... <laughs> that's insane, man. That guy is like... Uh, there's like urban legend about that guy yeah, because yeah. it's like you heard about him... He was in Ozzy for a second, doing all this crazy shit, but I didn't know it started with you guys. Yeah, oh yeah. I so, mean, the thing was really crazy was he is actually a really amazing bassist. I mean, the guy was amazing. He was uh, probably one of the best bass players I ever played with. And I played from anybody from Tony Levin to, uh, you know, Tim Boger to, you know. Right. Um, and he was a great bass player, but... Whatever the deal was, when Mark mentioned moving around more, it just uh, popped a vessel <laughs> or something. To an extreme. <laughs> oh, my God. That is wild. So uh, Dante Fox, the pre-Great White Band, playing here on the scene in L.A., what were you guys doing? Covers or originals at that no, point? No, we were doing all original stuff. All originals? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you were yeah. doing well? You were getting a following? Yeah. Yeah, we were doing okay. You know, I Was mean, it I a was heavier like, band than what Great White ended up yeah, becoming? Yeah, yeah. It was, it was heavy. It was more Van Halen-esque, kind of a Van Halen, Judas Priest had a kid. Okay. You know I mean? <laughs> right. It well, became I, heavier. I, when I look at the history of Great White, and I've talked, I think, to you about this and probably Mark as well, that I remember first being turned on to Great White from hearing Stick It. Right. Which, even in that song, you have a lyric, crank up the metal. Like, to me, Great right. White was a metal band. I yeah. was just like, when the earliest years, and sure. I was way into, like, I still to this day, I still love Stick It. I think that song kicks ass. Dang. But the, you obviously evolved into something that was way more of a blues-based sort of thing. Was that where you always wanted it to go and doing the heavier stuff was something that was more of just that was what was happening at the scene at the time like talk talk about the musical evolution of the you band. know i think it, it really was a natural um progression um the bands that i grew up you know with were aerosmith and and you know deep purple and and um zeppelin and bands of that you know right. uh, ilk and, and and you know it wasn't so much the judas priest thing i got turned on to that from you know the bass player don costa and then you know they were doing that kind of stuff and and you know it, it i kind of grew into liking it but it was it was kind of like that was the scene as you said that's what people were doing right but i never really felt like yeah this is me you know, on the first record, I remember my Michael Wagner going, sings like Jack Evil, give me Jack Evil. And I'm like, Jack Evil? I'm like, I just want to sing, man. You know? So he wanted you to be more of a metal approach. Right, right. right. And when we got to, uh, I finally started, felt like I had, I had found my spot when we did the One Spit album. You know, when we were doing stuff like Rock Me, it's like I always got to sing. Mm. You know, save your love. I got to use my voice, not just, you know, rah, rah, you know. Right. So it was, uh, that's when I really felt like, okay, we had found our musical home, you know, and we just kind of went from there, you know. Uh, I think now the next album that we're coming out with is going to be pretty heavy we've got some pretty heavy stuff in there mm. but you know it's you know it is what it is Every well, you've always, great white is thing. always you know what you do now again i don't want to cause no. any issue no i'm saying i don't want to yeah. cause any issues with the other camp because i know there's this big legality about 
you being Jack Russell's great white and their thing great white. Right. But what you do now with your band Jack Russell's great white is in musically is is really in line with what where it all came from. I mean, you're you're doing a, a blues based hard rock sort of thing. And the interesting thing about Great White's music when you were in the band and now your your own band is it has a wide appeal. It appeals to hard rock fans. It even appeals to some metal fans, but it appeals to people who are just into really, really great blues-based rock. And a lot of that appeal to me comes from your voice. I mean, your voice, people have always talked about your voice and how incredible it is. And what's Thank amazing you. to me about that, Jack, is that You've been through a lot physically, emotionally, your whole life. You've been through a lot. And your voice has never left you, man. No matter what's been going on with you, sober, not sober, health, whatever's going on, your voice has always been there, hasn't it? I don't remember anybody ever saying Jack Russell can't sing anymore. I mean, it's incredible. Is Am I off? Did I miss something? Or has your voice always been there for <laughs> you? There's a couple shows. <laughs> Was there a couple, were there some ones where you struggled? Well, of course, every singer has a bad show, you know. I mean, but for the most part, you know, thank God, you know, um, it's on loan. And, and, you know, I'm still able to use it. Um, but, I mean, I'm one of those guys that have uh, tried to take real good care of it as far as, when I'm working, you know, I'm not saying I haven't abused myself. Of course, I have. Everybody knows that. Right. But, you know, I have a certain, um, you know, regimen that I use when, when I'm singing. You know, I warm up and I warm down. And, and you know, that has really helped save my voice over the years is just singing properly. And, you know, a lot of that is just being blessed, you know. I mean, being fortunate enough to, uh, to have been given a gift that keeps on giving, you know. I'm just... You know, I'm grateful it's still there, and I can still use it at 58. You know, you know it's it, in watching you on the most recent time that I saw you a bunch of times on that tour that we did. The uh, there were fans that would say to me like they see you whether walking in the venue or backstage or whatever. They'd be like, "Man, is Jack going to be okay for the show? Because you're moving slow, and he had a right. cane at one point, and yeah. whatever." And then you'd get on the stage. I mean, I've watched. I watched it many nights. You're in the wings. You're like, you know, kind of getting in your zone, getting ready to go out there, and then that those lights go on. That band starts playing, and not only are you singing great, but you're moving around out there like a demon. <laughs> Where a few minutes ago, people were just like, "Man, is Jack going to be able to walk up these stairs?" So, well, I mean, does something come over you when you hit that stage where any physical ailments just go away? It's like a transformation. You, you know, it, it's kind of like going into the phone booth and taking off the Clark Kent glasses, you know? I, I don't know. I, I think it's adrenaline and just the love I have for it and the energy that the audience gives off. You know the feeling yeah. when you walk out there and you feel that electricity and it's just like the hair in your arm stands up. And, you know, I, I feed off of that. Um, you know, because I mean, I'm pretty beat up, let's face it. You know, I've got degenerative disc disease, uh, scoliosis. You know, I'm five inches shorter in my back than I was. You know, people I used to look down and I'm looking up to, like, hey, what are you doing up there? You know, but um, what caused you to shrink? Um, like I said, degenerative disc disease, oh my scoliosis. Gosh. And yeah. you had a problem with your, your intestines or your oh, yeah, yeah. I burst my colon in um, what was it, 2010? God. Yeah. And I was in a coma for five days with an septic shock, almost died. And how did you do that? 
Um, it was a combination of a lot of, uh, uh abusing, um, um, painkillers, you know, which would just stop you up. And, um, you know, a lot of other things, steroids and, and I was abusing everything. You so know? you got caught up in the whole painkiller thing that has unfortunately taken a lot of people a down. A lot of people down. Yeah. How did the light go on for you to get away from that stuff? Did you have to go through a lot of rehab or did well, you just do cold turkey? You what know, happened? I, un- unfortunately, I'll, I will always have to take pain meds because of my back. Right. But I found a doctor and I found a medication that doesn't, you know, get me loaded so I don't abuse it. You know, now so there's I, no beyond making your back feel better. There's no no. There's no other effects. You don't. You're not high no, from it. Because if I did, being the addict I am, I'd be eating like Pez candies. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> but um, the medication I take, I don't. I don't feel it. So consequently, I don't abuse it. You know? Have you been a guy in your history that has tried the rehab thing in and out of rehabs a lot, or are you? Oh, just, just nine times. Nine times. <laughs> My gosh. And where are you at now? Are you are you are you totally sober outside of your medications? Outside or? of my medication, yeah. So I, no I, alcohol, uh, no nothing. I, I keep weed, nothing. Clean. Not weed, yeah. I'm the kind of guy that smokes weed, man. I want to go to the hospital. But I'm having a heart attack. Oh, yeah. you get paranoid? <laughs> oh man. Really? I, I never liked weed when I was in high school. I remember one time me and Mark smoked weed. This was years ago. We were we were drinking one night, and uh, this is I mean we're talking a long time ago, and uh, we decided some guy offered us some hot, and we go oh, let's take a hit. We both took a hit, and we're both going, oh my god, oh my god, I think I'm having a heart attack. Yeah, me too. Should we go to the hospital? Uh-huh. I don't know, man. Should we? <laughs> and now here in L.A., weed is legally sold on every corner. Oh, I know. There's walking distance from my hotels. There's three dispensaries. Anything you want, it's literally everywhere. Who would have thought? Not not me, because I was I was brought up. By parents, there was just like, and and to their credit, I never, I never, every day I'm in here interviewing rock stars about all of the wars they've been through with drugs and alcohol. Right. Thankfully, I can say after 36 years in the business, I, that was never an issue for me, never. Nah, so it worked. However, they they programmed me certainly worked, uh, but. I, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I was thought, I was brought up that it was like the worst stuff for you, and now it's like basically buying a bottle of wine in most yeah. cities. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy how that how that that whole thing has uh, has changed. You you mentioned a few times you brought up Mark, who of course is Mark Kendall, sure. who was the guy you basically formed Great White with, right? Exactly. Yeah, we started the band in nineteen seventy eight November. You always talk about him every time you've talked to him. Ever since this division has happened with the two different bands, very fondly to me, and it seems like it's it's almost like. I don't know if I'm reading that right, but but and I I pick this up a lot with a lot of artists. There can be these nasty divides and lawsuits and whatever, but sometimes when you start telling the old stories, there's almost like a twinkle that goes off in people's eyes because there's such a history and such a brotherhood of what was right. formed back then. Is that how you feel about Mark? I mean, since all of this stuff has gone down, is there a side of you that misses him, misses playing with him still because of that history, or there's still some wounds there that can't be patched? Well, you know, to be honest with you, I mean, I'll always love Mark. I mean, me and Mark started this together, and we've had some of the most amazing moments of our lives together. You know, we've accomplished, you know, things that people you know, rarely accomplish. We set out to, you know, accomplish what we set out to do. You know, I mean... They had a lot of success, a lot yeah. of records, a lot of big MTV songs. And, you know, there were a lot of moments that we've shared that, you know, you can't... They're priceless, you know? And 
that will always, you know, resonate in 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 my soul. I'll, I'll always have a love for him, no matter what goes down. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, yeah, I miss him. I miss him in my life. He, you know, we were really close. Yeah, you know, um, for me, I'm I'm over all the, all the you know whatever. I'm not upset or mad or anything else. You know, like I said, I take my uh, my part of it. You know, I own that. Um, and yeah, I miss him. I miss Mark. You know, I always will. I mm. always will. I wish that we could be friends, at least on a social level, you know, mm. at least to be able to call up and go, Hey, how you doing, man? You know, right. how's the band? You know, how's the family? You know, and you went to see great white. Yeah, you? in Houston. You, I remember I was there for something. Maybe it was the Hair Nation tour, I think. It was. was. And the it night was. before, the uh, Great White, your band again, just for clarity, is Jack Russell's Great White, but Great White was playing and you went to the show. Yeah, yeah. And it was Terry singing then? No, no. That's just the, when Mitch came in? Guy, yeah, The guy yeah. they have now, Mitch Malloy. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. it was one of his earliest shows, I, I, I'm thinking, because Terry hasn't been gone that long. No, he hadn't been gone that long. But what inspired you to do that? Talk about that. Because you were in Houston at the same time to do a gig on the Hair Nation tour. And coincidentally, they were playing the day before and you were in town, right? Right, right. We had um, we were driving in. And as we were driving in, I'm hearing this music. I'm going, that's rock me. But it's not my voice. I'm like, where's that coming from? And then I realized that it was coming from this, from the top of this roof on this building. So I have my guitar pick up, pull over, pull over, pull over. You so, actually were randomly driving just by. Just randomly driving so, on the way to the hotel. To clarify this, because I know this venue, that's called Proof Rooftop Lounge. It's temporarily closed. But Justin, who owns it, owns a venue called Warehouse Live there as well. And that venue is, is I've hosted shows up there. It's an open air right. venue up yeah. on a rooftop. Not very high up, so it would make sense you could hear it from the street. Right, right, right. So it That's was insane. Just I didn't know that. bizarre, right? And uh, so I go, well, we gotta go see this. I mean, so we pull over, went up there, and I got the hoodie on. You know, I'm trying to be Mr. Incognito. And their shows are free there, which is, and I don't know if you know that, but no, his shows that. are free. Oh, no. No very rarely, let me in. <laughs> very rarely do they charge admission for, or you need a ticket. They I do. thought I was just cool, you know. What I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so you you go up there, yeah, and we get in, you know, and, and well, the guy at the gate goes, "Oh, hey, Jack," you know, I'm okay. He recognized you, yeah. So I'm, you know, trying to be all cool. So I walk along the side, and I got my head down, my hood pulled over, and all of a sudden, somebody goes, "Hey, Jack," and. Uh, Oh, man, it was like just people started turning around cameras and stuff. And I'm like, I'm trying. You know, I don't want to. But how long did it take you to realize that you or did you know once you pulled up that you were actually it was actually Kendall and Michael? Oh, I could tell. You knew it was. So you knew what you were walking into. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I know know that band. I mean, I could tell the way they play. Right. And um, I know Kendall's sound. You know, right. You know, so uh, it, it turned into be like this really embarrassing semi meet and greet, you know, which I didn't want. Right. You know, I just wanted to kind of check them out. Um, I remember walking from one side of the, to the of the gig to the other, trying to avoid people. You know, and um, I remember looking up and I saw Michael, and he mouthed over to Mark. He goes, "It's him." He's here. <laughs> I'm like, I shrunk. I'm like, oh, no, man. You know, I didn't want to do that. So we ended up, you know, um, hanging out a little bit. Then we left. And I was hoping they would come out, but they never did. You know? Let me ask you this. If they would have 
if if Mike if they would have between songs called you up, would you have gone up on stage oh, and done a song? Hell yeah, I would have. Absolutely, you absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, that's 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 um, the the band except their current singer is a friend of mine. He's originally from New Jersey. He's been in the band like 10 years, Mark Tornillo. I didn't know. I didn't yeah. know Udo was a singer. Udo it. hasn't been with them for about That's 10 years. That's how up on everything I am. But I, this, <laughs> Udo told me a similar story where in Germany or something, he went to a club and saw Accept without him and stood in the back of the club right. and watched. But he said he was very low-key. Nobody picked him out at all, and he kind of watched a few songs and left. But I guess there's just that curiosity. Sure, You know, which sure. was what you were... You know, going for it. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to see what it, you know what it looked like, and I wanted to see the guys and see how they looked. You know, and, right. and you know, it's a, it was it was it was interesting. You know, it was interesting. It was weird seeing um you know a band that um I had fronted for pretty much my whole life with somebody else singing. You yeah. know, it was it was weird. You know, it wasn't unpleasant. It was just weird. Right. You know? I would think it would be. Yeah. yeah. All right. So here's the deal. Uh, we're going to uh, transition to the callers for the rest of the hour and let them talk to you because there's a, a lot of people that want to say hello to you. But before I do that, uh, because I, uh, we'll, we're going to end, end up taking the calls right to the end of the show, I want to make sure you have the opportunity to promote or mention anything specific that you have going on now. You're working on a new record? Yeah, well, actually, we have an album that we just finished mastering. It's called One Spit and Acoustical Bites. And what this is, it's the One Spit and album recorded entirely unplugged. And um, that'll be coming out like really soon. Um, we also have Great Zeppelin Two, which if you're familiar with uh, the Great Zeppelin album, which was a concert Co- covers of entirely of Zeppelin. Zeppelin. Yeah, right. we did another one with different songs, and that's that'll be coming out soon. Um, we're working on the new album. We've got a lot of things going on, plus touring. You know, how so, often are uh, you out? You're out pretty much. Do you do the weekend this flying month, stuff? This, yeah, this month we're out every weekend in in August. Um, you know, it's uh, and then I get home and during the week we work on the albums and you know, you know, wash my socks and right. you know. <laughs> the website for people to find dates for your band and the information is it Jack Russell's Great White? Uh. Or Jack's Great White? Is there a website? <laughs> me, uh, there is a website. Where, where would people, because this is a national show, so where would fa- people go? I would just go on fa- our Facebook And page. what's that page? That's uh, Jack Russell's Great White on Facebook, or, okay. or, or my Facebook page, Jack Russell. So that's where you keep, uh, that's where you keep your that's stuff up That's where the most date. information, yeah. The okay. website, you know, I don't, uh, I'm so anti-technology. I mean, I do my lyrics on a stone tablet with a chisel. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's like, that's how antiquated I am. Well, so. you do have an, you you do have a smartphone there, so at least you're at that point. You know, yeah, you're, it's, it's you gas powered. Text. It's gas powered. Yeah, gas- <laughs> <laughs> you got to pull a cord to start your smartphone. Exactly. Oh my gosh! Let's get our first call. Uh, Kevin in Arkansas has been waiting a very long time, so we'll get Kevin on here right away. Go ahead, Kev. You're on with Jack Russell. Hey, Jack. How's it going? Good. How are you, Kevin? I'm doing great. Um, I was calling because. Um, I got a chance to meet you in 17 um, at Edgefest in Idaho, and I wanted to say thank you again. Um, I was with the biker organization that asked if you would pull our raffle ticket for us, and for you to take your uh, some time out of your busy schedule and do that for us was amazing, and we can't thank you enough. Um, we still talk um, about it today. Um, you know, my, my pleasure, man. You know, and you know, pulling a name out of a hat is so difficult. You know? <laughs> 
he had to have his people yeah, call their yeah, people. It was, it was a yeah, big negotiation. It was a big thing. Yeah, you know, I had the contract <laughs> signed. The lawyer had to No, and, you know, I, I appreciate you thanking me for that. And thank you for, uh, you know, letting me do that. Um, you know, uh, I, I really appreciate it. And, um, you know, thanks for uh, for being a fan. And, and thanks for waiting so long on the line, man, you know. Um, it's hey, people John, like yourselves. You're the reason I do this. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. All right, Kevin. Thank you very much. Nice talking to you, brother. Glad you got in there with that. Let's talk to John, who's in New York. Go ahead, John. Hey. Hey, man, you're you on the me? air with Jack Russell. Go uh, ahead. Okay. Yep, yeah, yeah. Jack, um, awesome to talk to you, bro. Um, I saw you, thank you. Well, I'm going to say, last year, and it was up in a li- in the town of uh, Lake George where you did a little acoustic show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. I remember that, yeah. absolutely. And, that, and you, I mean... 50 people, bummer, you know, it yeah, wasn't yeah. nothing crazy, but uh, is that something that you would, would you consider maybe, oh God, I don't know, just doing that, or do you just like the the raw rocking part of it, because you were so relaxed and mellow and just easy going, which, you know, the environment set that tone, but or would you, or do you just want to belt it out where you just scream, you know? You know, there there's a time and place for everything. I like both uh, aspects of it. You know, I like to sit and, you know, just kind of like sing acoustic stuff, um, do different arrangements of other songs, and, you know, hence the uh, acoustic album, uh, the acoustic uh, one spitting album. But, you know, I, I, I enjoy them both. You know, I, I like the, uh, the storyteller's aspect of it because I can kind of sit and reflect on the career and, and tell people some stuff that they may not know know you know um it's just a different environment you know and uh, i i love them both i can't really say which one i like more um it's a lot easier to sit on my butt and sing than it is to run around (laughs) (laughs) i don't remember this did great white do mtv unplugged back we were we were like the second ones to do it we had that uh uh we did babe believe you and that became a, a huge hit they had a, it was like in regular rotation right and they actually included it in the led zeppelin special they did they played our version of it which was like wow you know what an honor that was but did you do a, a full mtv on yeah Plug show? yeah we did, you did. Yeah. and then they Us pulled the version Yankees. of babe i'm gonna leave you from that yes yes exactly yeah Wow, back in the days when MTV was MTV, folks. Yeah, before it was MTV. Yeah. <laughs> Joe in Philly. Hey, thanks for taking my call, gentlemen. Sure, uh, no problem. Always, always been a great white fan uh, going back to the early days. Ironically, this past weekend I was listening to your first album, the great white album with the black cover with the white letters. One of my favorite songs, not just of great white, but one of my favorite songs of any band is off that album called Bad Boys. That riff rocks in that song. And if there's a story behind that song, who came up with that riff? Because like I said, that's got to be one of my top five songs out of any band all time. Oh, I'd love to hear that. Thank you very much. Yeah, that, I believe Mark came up with that riff, um, if I remember correctly. I mean, back in those days, it was uh, most of the writing was done with uh, myself and Mark, and, and um, Alan Niven um, started writing more and more as we uh, as the band progressed. But uh, those lyrics, that was uh, the song was about my time, um, you know, in, when I was incarcerated for a while. Um, 
But uh, the riff, yeah, it was a strong riff. And, you know, that, that me and Eddie were talking earlier about the evolution of the band musically. And that was back when we were in our uh, you know, semi-Judas Priest phase, you know. But I, still, I, 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 I still love that record. Um, you know, there's some songs on there that, you know, are some of my favorite Great White songs as well. And every once in a while I'll go back and listen to it and go, wow, that's really cool, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, thank you for that. And I was supposed to say at a club in Bethlehem, years probably late eighties or, or nineties, called the Crock Rock. And I remember you came out and you were shooting a fire extinguisher into the audience. It was water, not the powder. You squirted my ex-wife. She got so pissed, <laughs> but I just sat there and I, and I laughed. She got so pissed. She came out with this <laughs> fire and just started squirting the audience in this club. It was hilarious. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, I, mean, I, I remember that club, Crocodile that. Rock. I saw some shows there. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate the call. Uh, that was in Allentown, PA. That's great. Hey, you mentioned a guy, Alan Niven, who was your manager right, back right. then, who also was the early manager of Guns N' Roses. Yeah. And was very involved in your band. You oh, mentioned yeah. in terms of writing. I think he produced. He was a very beyond man, manager. Yeah, and he was some. like the sixth member of the band at one point, really. I mean, he was, uh, you know. Uh, if it wasn't for him, who knows? You know, what I mean, he he put everything on the line for us. Um, he really did. At one point, he uh, he started a label called Enigma, and I'm sure you know. Oh, I didn't know he started Enigma. Yeah, I know that, Alan a little bit. Yeah, but I didn't that know he was his that. label, and um, he uh, wanted to sign us and the uh, Hine brothers. I believe that's who own Green World. Um, they didn't want to sign us, so he quit. Oh, wow. And, uh, the Became night, a manager. The night we were supposed to sign the contracts, he's oh, I got some bad news. He said, what? He goes, uh, they didn't want to sign you, so I quit the label. He goes, I don't know what I'm going to do now. I go, well, why don't you manage us? He goes, I don't know a thing about managing. I go, well, you'll learn. <laughs> and he did, and he became one of the, you know, one of the big dogs. When he know? started managing, when he was managing Guns N' Roses... Did was there? Did you guys have a lot of crossover with GNR because you were under the same management camp? You know, there, it was weird. I remember we we were having there was always this kind of weird thing between me and Axel. And one, did cr- you meet him? Did you used to hang with him? I I never realized that I met him. And one day we were having Christmas breakfast at this hotel, and I walked up to him. I say, "Hey, dude, what's going on with you and I?" Like every time I see you, you got this like attitude. He and goes, you have the same manager at this yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, you don't remember me, do you? I go, no. And he goes, well, one day a long time ago, I used to go see Dante Fox, and you were playing the troubadour, and I gave you a demo tape, and I asked you to tell me what you thought of it. And you said that the band sucked, but, but you really liked my voice. And he goes, I hated you for that. He goes, but you know what? You were right. And, and you know, he goes, I apologize. And, and ever since that point, we were okay. But it was really weird because I, I didn't remember it, you know. And, mm. uh, and so. you had complimented him, actually, yeah, in yeah. the thing. So why would he? Yeah. yeah. But, but that know, was the extent of That was of back the- when, when you mentioned Tracy Guns. That was that band. Oh, okay. You know I mean. All right. So, so, that, so that was the extent, like, you didn't hang with him back in the day even you know you no really i hung know. with steven adler me and me and uh duff and slash would hang out a lot right. you know izzy i took izzy shark fisher one time and uh um but me and steven adler we really got along great right I mean, let's say hello to lou who's uh on rhode island go ahead lou hey jack what's up man how are you hey uh, i'm doing good how are you lou i'm great my first memory of you was 
seeing you guys on solid gold. <laughs> oh and my god, were... I remember that. I remember <laughs> was that. Was that when you would lip sync? Yeah, no, you know what? I I was the only one that did, was saying I sang live. The band played to a to a tape. You know, the drummer's cymbals were Oh, like, he had live vocals. Yeah, the right. vocal was live, always. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, that was, I remember that show, too. I remember that most, show. Because most TV shows like Dick Clark, American Bandstand, those were just, you know, just artists were just lip-syncing because they right. couldn't set up their gear and play properly on a right. studio they, they set. do a live fade. Yeah, or, yeah exactly. <laughs> I remember seeing Bon Jovi do Runaway, first single, first album, first time ever, and the song fades. And it was always funny to watch, like, what the artist would do while the song would fade to try right. to fade. The, the fade, which is yeah. hysterical. Like so sings softer. <laughs> yeah. Lou, what's your question for, for Jack? Um, I've seen you guys like 10 or 15 times. Like I said, you were part of my youth. I've met you a bunch of times. You know, living in this state, which was impacted by what happened. I just sure. want to say, I miss you. I miss you. <laughs> oh, and thank you, I'm my friend. You, you're I, welcome. I and, I'm, and I'm sending you hugs from here. I think you need to hear that, especially from somebody who oh. lives here. And, uh, you know, you know, I just God want to say I miss you, you and, that. and I really oh, do man. think you need to hear that. Um, you know, what are your that, plans? That are is... you ever, are you ever, go ahead. I'm five. No, I was going to say, well, Lou, so, you know, you can't heard. see the visual of, of Jack, but Jack's clearly, you know, emotional about what you said. He truly appreciates that. Yeah, so. I really do. I and mean, that means a lot to me. You know, um, do you ever plan on coming around here, like in a 60 mile radius to like, you know, Test I would love to. The only reason that I haven't is because I know it would really upset some people. And to me, it, I really didn't. I don't want to do that. I don't want to cause anybody any pain or, or you know, any more that's already been caused, you know. And, and it's just, and that's the reason, you know, I would love to come back and play there. And, you know, I know there are some fans that would love to see us, but, you know, if if I was to go there and make one person feel bad, you know, it, it's just not worth it to me, you know. And, and that doesn't mean that I don't appreciate and love you guys because I do. You know, you guys are, uh, I mean, this phone call to me was one of the most, you know, uh, it's it's a it's a very poignant moment for me right now. I really I really need to hear that. Thank you. No, you're very welcome. I've been wanting to say it to you for a long time, but you know, I'm thanks Eddie for giving us the venue to do this. I appreciate that, and I just miss you, brother. Thank you, man. I appreciate that, Lou. Very much. Thank I you very you much. Thanks, man. Uh, thank you for listening. I appreciate it. You know, Jack, you had said to me a, a few years ago there was a documentary or something being done that was going to have a charitable component to it as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Whatever happened with that? You know what? Um, I haven't spoken with the producer in a while. Um, he's shopping it right now. The last I heard, they were trying to figure out how they were going to do it, whether it was going to be a miniseries or whether it was going to be a, a, a feature-length film or what, because there was so much information. And I'm really hoping it'll be a miniseries because... As I said, there's so much information, and it's a beautifully shot movie, very tasteful. Yeah. Um, and they talked to me for it, and I wanted to make right. sure it was coming from the right place, and that there was, you know, and I, I think I mentioned to you, and I said, is this a legit yeah, thing? Because yeah, everybody in the world is out there doing documentaries oh, and biopics, and you don't know what's where it's coming from, and that it's the artist is behind it, and it's the right, right thing. And right. at that time, it seemed like it was, it was 
really coming from a place to remember those people that were lost exactly, and celebrate them. Exactly. And, yeah. You know, and it was, it, it turned into more of, um, about the power and the love of music and how music, right. you know, really can, um, you know, heal, you know, and how powerful the music of our generation was and still is. I mean, I don't think there was any generation of music that had the appeal and just the power that ours did. I mean, you can say what you want about the 80s, but, I mean, it was an amazing time, and there was some amazing bands, great singers, great guitarists, and you don't see that anymore. I mean, God, who'd have thought there would be a day when there wasn't even a record store? Yeah. Well, there's still some around, yeah. but they're not. I just went walked past Tower on Sunset the other day, yesterday, which still has the sign. It still has the wrap that says Tower on Sunset. I, I got all excited, but it turned out they just wrapped it for the movie. It's not right. really the store. I was like, the store's coming back right, every time right. I come out there. Because people are buying vinyl again and sure. stuff to some degree. So I'm like, maybe it's coming back. And then they say, no, they just dressed it for wah, a movie wah, or a photo wah, or something. Yeah. Exactly right. Well, listen, I'd love to, We got a guy uh, who's going to see you in Tennessee next week with the current band. We got a bunch of people here on the phone that unfortunately we're not going to be able to get to because we ran out of time. So I apologize to those folks. We'll have to do this again at another time with you, Jack. Well, my thanks to Jack Russell. Fascinating conversation. At times a bit emotional, as you heard. And appreciate uh, him coming into my studio in Los Angeles for my SiriusXM show on volume where all of my interviews here originate. And hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Be back again next Thursday for another new episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Free as always, Apple Podcasts and PodcastOne.com. Thanks to Katie Irizarry. She is the producer. And I'll see you guys then. Have a good week. Rob Sesternino from Rob as a Podcast. And if you're a Big Brother fan, you know the summer is all about one thing, watching crazy people locked in a house on Big Brother. And we've got episode recaps after every episode with the past house guests talking about all the updates from the game and the gossip from the live feed. Listen to Rob as a Podcast exclusively on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. And if you love the show, why don't you share it or even leave us a rating and review.
Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.